we're somewhere in the midst of our series called Credo, um, which is a Latin word for I believe. It's an overview, basically, of the beliefs or the basic beliefs uh, of those of us who call ourselves followers of Christ, wherever we might be on that spectrum. Some of us are right in the middle of it. Some of us are still, yeah, I'm not so sure that I'm there, but I'm, I'm close or I'm committed to the process or, or I'm thinking about that. So it's important that we look at some of these, just really a quick overview of, of the Scripture as to what it teaches, what are our basic beliefs. Um, and so as we do that, the, the, today our theme is, is, is how God reveals Himself in Scripture and more directly how God has given us and I'm quite passionate about this. I mean, obviously, I've committed my life to this, but um, how God has given us in written form a source for what our beliefs are, for what now, how we are to live. Uh, it's an amazing book called the Bible. And the Bible is our foundation in terms of, of faith, in terms of practice. So um, that's where we are. It's authoritative because it came from God. I'm going to show you more about that in just a moment. Um, and I, at the risk of sounding trite and a little, what's the word, uh, cheesy, I guess. And I know what you're thinking. You're th- sitting there thinking, Rich, nobody could ever accuse you of being cheesy. Um, and, well, that may or may not be true. There's this phrase I've heard for years, and I'm going to use it. I've always kind of written it off as kind of cheesy, but you know, the truth is sometimes, sometimes cheesy statements are just true. And they may sound cheesy, but they're just true. And this one is that it's God's letter to you about faith and life and living life. The Bible is God's letter to you. That sounds a little trite maybe, but really that's what it is. Um, it's God's message to you. And, and when you think about that and how important that really is, um, maybe it will give you the right understanding of, of the Bible and certainly how God reveals who He is and how we are to live um, in light of that uh, in, in the lives in which we live. A couple of, writer, a couple of scholars, the first one's a writer, the second one's a scholar, E.J. Young, British writer, he who rejects the biblical view of Scripture, no matter how much it may be, be disguised, has set up the human mind as an arbiter to decide how the Bible is to be regarded. It's kind of what Steve was talking about earlier. Um, when I say, what do you, when I ask you, what do you believe? Well, here's what I think. Well, here's what I think. Well, I mean, well, based on what? Whenever you get into those discussions, and I frequently do get into those discussions, well, here's what I believe. You know, they find out you're a pastor, and everybody has some, you know, some godly insight into something. Oh, let me tell you what I think about church. And well, yeah, I think, you know... I've been doing this for over 30 years. You're not going to tell me anything I haven't heard before. Save your breath. Hit the golf ball. Let's move. But um, no, that's on a bad day, okay? Um, but, but, but whenever you hear some of those things, you're like, oh, man. You know, and, and, and the truth is that that's not the right attitude. The attitude is, yeah, I, I, let me hear what you really think. But, but the truth is what we think should be grounded in what the Scripture teaches. And uh, sometimes people miss that. Um, Michael Horton, an American scholar, biblical scholar, um, Westminster Seminary in uh, California. If the Bible is not authoritative, then its author also lacks authority and credibility. I give you both those quotes just to get you thinking along these lines of the Scripture and what it is and and, and why it's here and why we have the Bible. And... uh, 
I did, I'm going to show you a passage in the, in the New Testament, and I talked about this almost, it was 11 months ago, uh, roughly, and um, I'm going to talk about it again. I didn't talk about it in detail like I'm going to now, but it's an important issue. It's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. This is from the new, uh, the NIV version. Uh, there are many versions, and I use different ones, but this is, uh, this I thought best represented this text. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all Scripture is God-breathed or inspired and is youth, youth, excuse me, useful for teaching, rebuking, four words here, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Training. So that all God's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So God shows us in the Bible, here, you know, what his character is like, who he is, and then he says, and here's how you are to live. Some people, and again, this is a term that I don't particularly like, but there have been people who have said, well, the Bible's kind of like God's instruction manual for life. I don't really like that because I don't like instruction manuals, and I never read them, you know, like that disease that many of us men have. Uh, it's, it's pretty much unique to men. We just, you know, it's, it's all about pride and arrogance and other stuff, I guess. But um, the male ego. But anyway, is it God's instruction book? I mean, you could say that. You could say that if that, if, that, if that works for you. But I'm most interested in those four words. God's, it's God-breathed. God, God inspired the Bible, and it's, 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 it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. Teaching, first word. This particular Greek word is used about 21 times in the New Testament. Um, and it's either translated teaching or doctrine. I don't know if you know that, but we are a product of our teaching. Think about that. We're a product of our teaching, beginning when we're little kids and the things that we're taught in our home, not just that are taught verbally, but the things that are lived out in our home, and you know what I'm saying. You know, it's an amazing, scariest thing for, this is Mom's Day, we'll talk more about that in a moment, but the scariest thing for a mom and for a dad, in my case, is uh, realizing all the times you didn't think they were looking, but they were. You know, I'm still... Got a big birthday coming up in about a month, and it, I'm still amazed at my 35 or 6, I don't know how old he is, uh, year old son and, and 30 year old daughter. How every now and then they'll say, Yeah, I remember when you did this. I'm like, You remember that? <laughs> oh, gosh. Why, you know? I think there ought to be some kind of an invention for kids that you can just stick, stick something in their head and it gives them sort of a frontal lobotomy for all the bad stuff or something so they don't, you know, whatever. Anyway. Um, Teaching comes in many forms, and one of those forms is the example. Probably not the message you wanted to hear this morning, but it's important for all of us to hear. So that's part of teaching here. It's, 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 it's teaching, or the word is also translated as doctrine. Um, we are a product of our teaching. That's why it's so important to put ourselves in the right place to have the right input, because the right, well, any input has a certain kind of output. That's why it's important we get the right input. So teaching is huge. Teaching or doctrine. I remember early on, right, right, not, not too long after I graduated from school, with my, uh, uh, after I went back to school to study for the ministry, and I was in the first church that I pastored, and I kept talking about doctrine. Some young guy, smart guy, business guy, came up to me and said, you know, what is this doctrine? I said, doctrine 
And we use that in, in you know, Christian terms and so forth. But, but doctrine, everybody has a doctrine. It's not just Bush that has a Bush doctrine, okay? We all have our doctrine. Right over your head, you non-political animals, right over your head. Uh, the Bush doctrine. Anyway, think, never mind. Um, it's too early. Uh, and it's Mother's Day. You don't have to worry about that stuff. We all have our doctrine. Put your name on it, you know, the teeter's doctrine. Right? Our doctrine is how we live our lives. It's what we believe, what we've come to believe over a period of time, and how we live our life as a result of it. So you can put your name in there. There's the blank doctrine. We all have it. We need to make sure that it's correct. The Bible helps us understand that. That's the first thing here. That's the part about teaching, all right? Now, the second word that is used here is we go back to that passage when he talks about that, and he says there's, there's, um, it's God-breathed useful for teaching, rebuking. Rebuking is an interesting word. It's not one that has a positive connotation for me because I've been rebuked a few times. But it, it doesn't have to be negative. And, and the point here, the, the, word, the word rebuking means to rebuke or to refute or to warn. The Scripture helps us to see if we have certain destructive patterns of behavior and the consequences that will come as a result of that. Uh, for instance, in, this, in the Scripture we have a passage, a verse in, uh, in, uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which is basically this. It's, it's a bad company corrupts good morals. There's a warning for us. Watch out who you hang out with because it might corrupt some of your, some of your morals or morality or, or principles for living. As I've said before recently, we always use that for teenagers. Well, that's for teenagers of all ages, okay? Because we all got a little bit of that in us. Watch out for that. The um, Bible tells us re- you reap what you sow, kind of as a warning. One translation, I'm, I'm just going to jump to this Second uh, Timothy translation. In, 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 in translating this, puts it this way, Second Timothy chapter 3 says, Every part of Scripture is God-breathed, useful one way or another. This is the message translation. Showing us truth, that's the teaching part, exposing our rebellion. Part of rebuke is to, is to expose our rebellion. We all have a little rebellious streak. It may not be active like we think of normally of, as a rebel, it might be just an attitude. It might be something less, something more. So but that's what that's correcting, or, and that's or excuse me, that's rebuking. The second one, the third one is correcting. So we, we go through teaching, rebuking, and then correcting. That's the third thing. Um, correcting means it's it's more of a restoration to a, a, an upright or improved life of of a life or of character. Uh, it has to do with correcting away and that one phrase that we have here from the message, correcting our mistakes. The Bible helps us to see our mistakes. I shouldn't, I shouldn't act like that. I read a passage that talks about how to treat people. I shouldn't treat people like that. That's why this stuff is so effective. I might read the Bible, for instance, it says, a passage in the Bible that says, turn off your stinking cell phones in church. And I would know right then. I would know right then that I, that, that shows me to be corrected about my my sinful, sinful ways, you know? Cost you money, $100 on the plate, and you're way out, okay? Um, I'm going to get serious about this stuff. Uh, whoever that was, I hope I, did. Well, I, hope I embarrassed you. But um, I can't be dishonest. I'm not going to say I hope I didn't embarrass you. That would not be true. Um, so we got, we got teaching, we got rebuking, we got correcting, okay? The correcting, and, and, and as, as the message puts it, correcting our mistakes, Okay? The fourth one is training. Now, this is an interesting word here. It has to do with the cultivation of the whole person. It's an interesting word in the sense that it involves both the mind 
and one's morals. And uh, it's, it's a word that is used in the total nurture and care of the body. It's a word that is used basically with the instruction, with the goal of increasing virtue in a person, a person's virtue. So you got teaching, you got rebuking, you got correcting, you got training, you got... And this, this is this is God breathed. This is God's. He said, "These are these are. This is the Bible. Here's what you need to read, look at, listen to, and 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 really reflect upon and meditate upon." As you think about that, I mean, because um, it's authoritative. The Bible is in matters of of practice and of faith, and gives us a wonderful ability to live and enjoy life to its fullest. And we have the wonderful concept called grace and forgiveness that we need desperately because none of us are perfect. And we also have the assurance. And this is pretty huge. Um, We have the assurance of eternal life in the next life when we leave this world. But while we're in this world, we have the ability to be and to stay connected with our Creator. And that's, uh, that's the Bible and what the Bible lays down for us in terms of how to live our lives and, and what's, what's to happen with that. So the Bible does act like that. God gave us this, this thing we call the Bible, the Scriptures, whatever you want to call it, for the teaching, the rebuking, the correcting, and the training. Let me, t- let me, sh- let me share something with you real quick. And this is a bit of a, uh, you know, you could say this is maybe uh, a bit of a stretch, but and maybe it is, but... That's okay. I want to show you these pictures, okay? Uh, but but it, really has, it really is apropos because in this sense, sometimes, sometimes you see things happen in life that you stop and you think, yeah, and it's almost rebuking in a sense, would I have done that? Should I have done that? I'll give, this, this give you two illustrations. The first one's kind of a fun one, but yet it's still, I think, insightful. Playing golf yesterday with some friends in Ocean City, Maryland, okay? And... Um, I mean, you know, I don't know what it was like here, but the wind was just... We were right on the bay, and the wind was... I mean, it had to be 30 or 5 or 40 miles per hour. Um, and uh, third or fourth hole, two groups in front of me, and one of my friends, he's in the back, Jeff, um, was, uh, was... He was on the back-back tees. That means he's a really good golfer. I don't go back there. The back-back-back tees, the big boy tees, we call them. And, um, and there was some kind of a beached whale or uh, porpoise, or something like I don't know the difference between a porpoise. I mean, it, you know, by the time the story gets told the third time, it's going to be a man-eating white whale or whatever. But, <laughs> but because I have the Bible in my hand and I need to be truthful, there was a, some kind of a whale or porpoise that was beached right there off that, that back a third or fourth tee and uh, on this bay there in, in the, uh, in where we were in, in Ocean City. Without even thinking about it, Jeff just, just goes right in, uh, golf shoes on and all, and starts pushing on this, it starts pushing on this, this uh, mammal and, uh, and just keeps pushing and working. We worked for 10 or 15 minutes. The, 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 uh, the marshal came over, and, and, and thankfully we had Ashley Cooper with him, and Ashley took care of the marshal because you're slowing play down, and Ashley had a few choice things to say to him. I don't know what it was. But, but uh, anyway, uh, um, it, it was just, he just pushed this, this animal, this mammal, back out there and got him back out in the sea. And, the blowhole hit him. He was just soaking wet. I mean, and then he gets up and hits the ball 300 yards down the middle, and that really ticks me off. But <laughs> some of us dry can't do that. But, but my point is this. It made me think. We, we all laughed about it, and we had some pictures and stuff. Uh, and it made me think, though. Now, I'm not an animal rights person, but I don't like seeing animals suffer. I don't think anybody, if you understand the value of life, 
animals don't shouldn't suffer. I mean, I, I, I like I was raised on a farm. I mean, you you fed them and you fed them and you took care of them, and then at the right time you would butcher them and you'd eat them. That's how we survived. Okay, so it's not that's I, I, where I am on that whole issue. But you, one thing I was taught: ever, you never make an animal suffer. You just don't do that. That's just wrong. And if you if they are, you do whatever you can to alleviate their suffering. So, and I think that's a very biblical quality. The Bible tells us to have certainly to have domain over the animals, but the Bible also tells us that we should take care. You know, Proverbs, for instance, says you can tell the character of a man by how he treats his beast. Um, that's, the, that's the old version, and they would now probably say dog or animal or whatever. And I just thought about that. I thought, you know, that's a kind of a good lesson. Would I do that? It's definitely the right thing to do. You know, definitely, I believe, the right thing to do. And, and yet, to me, when you see a, a scriptural principle reflected in somebody's life, it can be encouraging, it can be teaching, it can be rebuking, it be, can be correcting, it can be training. Second story I'll tell you is a person, I, I walked on this situation a little late, so I only saw the tail end of it, and I can't give a lot of details, and you'll see why in a moment. Um, but a, apparently, I don't know what had happened, but my friend was in this situation, and they hadn't done anything wrong, and, and somebody thought they had, it had to do, they were parked in a parking lot, and, and uh, this other person who's not my friend, is just cussing my friend up at one side and down the other. I know this is a shock to you, isn't it, in New Jersey, in a parking lot, that anybody would ever do this? I mean, it's just, I know, I know. It's just, if you're from somewhere else, you know, it only happens here about once every 20 years. But, um, so I walk up on the situation, and my friend is just getting cursed, called everything but a man. And, and, and uh, I'm like, okay, and I, I really can't get too involved because I'm just walking up on it. But all I can observe is my friend just being very gentle, very loving, very kind, and responding in a manner of, have a good day. And I thought to myself, wow, that's how you're supposed to respond. I'm not sure I would have done that. You know, and, and so when we see, and my point is, when we see scriptural principles lived out before us, it can, be, it can be teaching, it can be rebuking, it can be correcting, it can be training. And, and so it, that's part of why God says, here's how you are to live. And, and by the way, when you live this way, there is great value in that, i.e., even more important in that, it honors your Father in heaven. And uh, just, just some important, important issues there. Now, here's the thing that I find a bit of a conundrum, if you will. We live in an age when if you're famous for whatever reason, for whatever reason you're famous, your words mean something. I mean, you think about that. Maybe you, maybe you got tased last night at Philly Stadium. All of a sudden, I want to interview this guy. See what he has to say. He's got some words that I need to hear about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't look that up or anything, but, um, or maybe you made some um, inappropriate videotape. Oh, I want to hear what this person has to say. Yeah, isn't it, isn't it amazing? Oh, or maybe you can make movies better than somebody. Oh, I want to hear what they have to say about life and faith. Really? Do I really give, I mean, do I care? I mean, simply because a person can hit, throw, run, or skate better than anyone else, does that make their words more credible than Joe the Butcher? I thought I'd change the profession a little bit. You know what I mean? Butchers don't get enough credit. It's always Joe the Plumber. But, but um, does that make their words more credible than just average Bill or Joe or Rich or whoever it happens to be? 
Why is it that we, we have talk shows ad, ad, ad infinitum, ad nauseum, basically, uh, that celebrates the latest celebrity de jour and, and, and what they have to say about life, about what they have to say about politics, and what they have to say about faith? Why is it we have that? We, and we'll, we'll find a little time uh, to, to, to listen to that or to watch that or, or whatever that may be, and yet have trouble taking time to read the words that Almighty God has stated and gone through great effort to preserve for us down through the ages by the efforts of people whose blood, sweat, and tears has been endless and whose names we may never know in this lifetime. Why is it we don't have time for those words? We want to hear what Joe Dumbutt from whatever says about whatever. Sorry. The latest celebrity days. Why is it we have time for one but not the other? You say, well, I don't have a lot of time for the other. Rich. Yeah, but you know what? You probably know what's going on there. My, my point is very simple here. You know, this. The truth is, is that, you know, there, there is nothing that we can do for ourselves, for those around us. There is nothing more important than the personal development that takes place when we take. Even minutes, just minutes, to read the words that God has given us. It's better than Oprah, it's better than Dr. Phil, it's better than whatever you watch or whatever you listen to, or find time to listen to. And so therefore, I've got a challenge for you. Now, let me take you back. If you were here, some of you weren't here, but if you were here, 62109. I was a young man, <laughs> seems like. Um, and here's what I said. Some of you don't think I write this stuff down. Got better notes than you might even know. This is, this is exactly what I said on that Sunday uh, three times. Okay, here's the challenge. I'm reading it now. Get a read through the Bible in a year Bible. There will be a link on the blog. It's still there, by the way. Page three of our blog. Still there. This was almost a year ago. Still there. Start it when you get it. Give it an honest, is this what I remember this? Give it an honest 90-day trial. Isn't that ridiculous I said something like that? Give it an honest 90-day trial. If you don't see changes in your life, at the very least, little attitude changes, I will personally refund you the $15 you spent on it. Many of you have tried this. So far, I haven't had to give back $15 to anybody. I'm happy to do it. Well, I'm not happy to do it. I'll do that. But, you know, and, I, and I, wish, I wish that I could just run everybody through here. Many of you have talked to me about it. Many of you have tried this and are doing this. And I said, do whatever you need to do. We've got different Bibles back there. Get something for your, get something for your, for your, for your iPhone or the very, very uh, much desirable iPad that I don't have yet or, or the much less desirable BlackBerry. Um, get whatever you need, you know, to make it convenient for you to do and do this. And you will see changes in your life. And I, like I said, I wish I could run. I've, I've heard from many of you over, over the last year, almost oh, 11 months, of, of, of some, you know, that I've been doing that. And, and, and I haven't been on it every, sometimes I miss a day. That's okay. You know, it, but it's been amazing some of the things that I've, I find myself thinking. And, so, you know, all of a sudden I find myself yelling at my kids a little less. Or I find myself treating my mate with just a little more honor. Or, I, I, you know, or, 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 you know, right on down the line. I mean, this stuff really works, and, and I, don't, I don't like to get too crazy on this, but I'll tell you, there's something mystical and supernatural that happens when one just reads the Bible. 
It's, it's not like any... I love literature. One of my, I have many regrets in life. One of them is I didn't major in English literature. I love literature. I love good writing. I just love it. But, but there's no literature like it. There's no literature that it, that's equal to the Bible. It's different because it was God-breathed. It was God-inspired, and it changes people. And it works in their hearts, and it works in their lives, and it does things that, that, that are, you know, I find myself changing. I'm like, wow, and you, you start thinking of different verses or a concept that you read. And it's amazing how that works. It's, it's supernatural. So when we talk about God is revealed in Scripture, why wouldn't we take some time to, to read that? Not just to learn about God, but to learn about ourselves. And even better than that, because of the personal development, if I could put it in that kind of a term, that will take place in my life as I seek to see what God has to say and how I'm to live and the changes that it will make in my life. I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to pray for, uh, for you in just a moment um, as we do that. Before I'm, I'm going to pray right now. Before I do, let me just get, read one verse to you, and then I'll pray. It's talking about this whole thing of faith. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first, this is to Paul to, the, to Timothy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. We learn. We're taught from the Bible, oftentimes by people like our grandmothers and our mothers. And uh, I want to pray for this whole, this whole thing we've been talking about, but I also want to pray for the moms and the grandmoms. God bless the grandmoms. They're great people, let me just tell you. They're great people. And by the way, in case you're wondering, they just get sexier, in case you ever wanted to know about that. I, can, I didn't just say that, did I? Uh, take that back. Strike that, Dave, from the tape. She's not here. I don't want her to hear that. Um, but I want to pray for you as we, and pray for everybody as we leave here. God, we are grateful as we stop and we think and reflect on the truth of your love for each of us. We thank you, Lord, that you have reflected who you are. You've, you've written it down for us as to who you are in the Bible and, and, you, and in the process of showing us what your character is and what our character should be or should strive to be as a result of that. And God, we know we can't do that without the Spirit of God working in us, without coming to Christ, asking Him to give us the ability, the strength, and, and, and just the opportunity to, to, to expand upon that. We thank you for that. We thank you for the love that you have for us. I pray for each mom, each grandmom here, great-grandmom. Um, I, I pray that you would just uh, uh, bless them in a special way. I pray, God, that for some of us that are here, it's going to be the memory of a mother. That we, we pray that we'd honor that memory. And uh, for some, I know that will be here, it'll be the first, the first Mother's Day without their mom. We, we pray a special measure of grace for them as well. So we, we thank you for the love and the grace that you continue to give us. We thank you, we thank you for our moms, and uh, I pray for your blessing upon the moms that we have here. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.